0: Dr. Jason Lancaster.
1: Let me show you a picture of a roundabout. Look at this roundabout that has a statue in the middle. I I you can tell the cars are going around, some are coming in, some are going out and the statue in the middle. Let me show you another roundabout. This is more of a close up of a statue in the middle of the roundabout. You see it's around but but there's the the statue. Um Let's, let's just be honest, all right? Let's just be honest and have some fun together. Most of us, even if it's subconsciously, view ourselves as that statue. We love to have people go around at us and admire us and be impressed by us. You know how little kids say, watch me, watch me. We, we grow older and we're like, hey, Watch me, watch me. Be impressed by my achievements. Be impressed by how innovative I am and how generous I am. Are you you impressed by my gifts? And it's kind of all about you, right? Okay, now, now imagine this. Imagine a group of statues coming together for church. Hopefully you're making the connection. I'm not talking about statues. Imagine a group of individuals all coming to church and they want it about themselves. They want things their way, done their way, music their way, preaching their way, church their way. They want their priorities, their preference, and they would prefer that others circle around them and be impressed by them. What happens in a church like that? Well, you got some disruptiveness, you got some conflicts got some problems going on, because the goal is supposed to be is that God is at the center, right? It's not a statue, but the living God is supposed to be at the center. He's supposed to be the focal point, not individuals, not little groups and cloisters in the group. He is supposed to be the center, And what we want and what we're aiming for is that we want to exist as God-centered Christians and God-centered communities. That's the goal. We want to exist as God-centered Christians and God-centered communities. I've heard it explained that rather than seeing ourselves as the statue at the center, we should view ourselves more as the road system that goes around so our church should view ourselves as we are moving around, we're worshiping the Lord, we're letting other people come in and join in the worship, we're, we're sending others out to go share the gospel, and we're welcoming others in, we're in this community that, that's functioning in a very God-centered way, we're helping others to worship Jesus, we're encouraging others along the way and, until we're eventually with him. So we're moving from a crowd to community, to being self-focused, to being God-focused. And this is the way we function or we want to function as a church. God-centered Christians functioning in God-centered community for the glory of God. That's the goal, and that's what we're going to talk about today. So let's jump back into Romans. Romans chapter 1. For those of you who missed last week, we are rooting ourselves in the gospel of God. And you may say, what is the gospel of God? Well, let me tell you. The gospel is the good news of what God has done in Christ to rescue lost humanity from their sins and adopt them as children of God. It's one of the best ways to describe it. The gospel is the good news of what God has done in Christ to rescue lost humanity from their sins and adopt them as children of God. Now this gospel has taken root in Rome and as we started the letter, we saw that this God-centered community in Rome came about through the calling of God. God took the initiative, he drew believers to himself through the salvation found in Jesus and he put them together to serve for the glory of God. Now the author of this letter is the Apostle Paul, who was also called to salvation and service, and specifically his service was to the Gentiles. And Paul had his sights set on Rome as part of his ministry to the Gentiles, but since he had never visited Rome yet, he was writing this letter to talk about the gospel and to say, hey, we're all in this together. We believe the same gospel. We're rotating around the Lord in the gospel and we're worshiping him. And today, we're going to cover verses 8 through 15. And we're going to continue in these introductory remarks as we will see about godly leaders' heart toward the church. Once again, we're going to see Paul's heart toward the church. He's going to have this God-centered heart, and I believe it's the heart we're to have toward one another. Okay, so that's where we're going, okay? Paul, his heart for the church In turn, we're to see is that we are to have the same heart for the church. Now, you're saying, okay, I want to have a heart for the church. What does that look like? Here we go. The first thing is this. Give thanks for God's work in believers. Give thanks for God's work in believers. So let's go. Romans 1, verse 8. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all. Because your faith is being proclaimed throughout the whole world. Paul's first priority is thanksgiving for the faith of the Romans Christians. It's a God-centered and gospel-centered thankfulness. He says, I thank my God through Jesus Christ. So Paul can approach the Father through Jesus Christ who is crucified, resurrected, and reigning. And on this occasion, he is thankful for the Romans. And he says that their faith has been proclaimed in all the world. It's hyperbole or it's intentional overstatement to express the extent into which the Romans' faith is known throughout the Roman Empire. And Paul sees the advancement of God's mission among the Gentiles and he's thankful for the, for the faith of the Romans. He's not viewing the Romans as a means to capitalize on his agenda, on his ministry agenda, but he's thankful that they have been caught up in the mission of God. Now, let's think about this. If he's thankful for the community, think about your approach to the community. Sometimes the people can go to church because they view the church as a means to their own personal advancement. They see other people within the church as a way to help them move forward. It's kind of like the the LinkedIn community, if you know what that means. This networking online and you come to church and you, you network with others so that you can move to the next level of your personal agenda. Maybe you see people here as people that can help you advance in your ministry or advance in your career or events in your political views that you can use people here to advance your agenda. That's not what Paul has in mind. He's thankful for them that they are on the agenda of the gospel. And I would say that most of you here do not come to church with an agenda. You're here because you want to worship Jesus and you want to be around others who worship Jesus and you're thankful But I would say that some people that do not come to church, they do not come to church because they think that there is nothing that the church can offer them. Kind of like, what's the point? There's often more women in church than men. And you say, well, why is that? Well, men are often thinking, you know, what's the point of the church? The church is not helping me get anywhere or advance anywhere why would I want to be a part of the church but that misses the whole point of the church the church is a group of people who are sinners saved by grace and when we show up to worship together we're thankful for each other not to advance our agenda but to see another sinner saved by grace and that's why we come together and we're thankful for one another and we don't put ourselves at the center. We don't put you at the center. We put Jesus at the center. I had a conversation through texting this past week of a friend who was asking me, I haven't heard from him in four years, and he was asking me how I was processing a very difficult time and difficult season from my past in ministry. And, and I told him that, I, that I'm still sad and confused and had a hard time processing it. And if I'm not careful, I'll put that at the center and I'll revolve around that. You ever do that? You put your problems at the center and that's what you think about and that's what you rotate around. It's all about your problems. And I've told this guy, I said, one of the ways that I'm learning as I reflect on some past problems and challenges is I'm starting to learn how to be thankful. Thankful for some of the people in my life back there in that time. Thankful for some of the ways that God did move back in that time. And I'm thankful. And I think that thankfulness unseats us at the center and puts the focus back on God. So thankfulness is Paul's heart toward the Romans. But not only did he have a heart that was thankful, I want you to notice that he also had a heart that prayed consistently for the benefit of others. He prayed consistently for the benefit of others. Look at verse 9. He says, For God whom I serve in my spirit in the preaching of the gospel of his son is my witness as to how unceasingly I make mention of you, always in my prayers and making requests. If perhaps now at last by the will of God, I may succeed in coming to you. Paul keeps coming. He's bringing us back to the gospel. Gospel is God centered on Christ. Are you noticing this language here? That he serves with his whole being in this, his spirit, the gospel. He wants to be transformed and see others transformed by Jesus. Are, you see his language here? He says in service to God, verse nine, the gospel of his son. Paul is all about the son, all about Jesus. And he's consistently praying for the Romans in line with the gospel. I would say there's nothing that unseats us at the center more than prayer. If you find yourself gravitating toward the center and want to be all about you, church all about you, your life all about you, notice that praying for others will unseat you at the center and a church that is consistently praying for one another will unseat you and the groups at the center. Because if we're not careful, we can start to find that on the roadway system around God, the gospel, is that we can jam up the roadway system when we start cloistering in groups and grouping up with regard to whether it be affinity groups or ideological groups. If we're not careful, we can jam up the roadway system and not allow other people on. What this looks like is, let's say a group of people get together in our church, in the lobby, small group, and all they're talking about is football, the Razorback game. How did that happen? How did he miss that field goal? And just talking about football. Or, or a group get together and, and all they want to talk about is the weather or the POA or food. And what I've noticed uh, in in America is that during the pandemic is that some groups started grouping up and one group would be the mask group. Let's all hang together. We're the mask group. Man, it's all those other people in the church, they're terrible. And then we have the anti-mask group grouping up in the church. You go, man, those people are crazy. And then we have the vaccine group. You're like, those people are going to kill everybody. And then the anti-vaccine group. And everybody's grouping up. And when this is happening, it's jamming up the roadway system. And people aren't coming to Jesus. People aren't connecting in fellowship. People aren't loving one another. We're certainly not praying for one another. So if we group up like this, we jam up the roadway system. And, and Paul's like, no, nah, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for you. Now brothers and sisters, when we're praying for one another, instead of grouping up around our certain thoughts that we want to hone in on one topic or subject, we can move away from that and pray for one another. And that's what Paul's doing. And I want you to notice as he's praying for them, as he's thankful for them, he wants to come and visit and bring some encouragement. So number three is that he's, he's desiring to give and receive encouragement. Look at verse 11. For I long to see you so that I may impart some spiritual gift to you that you may be established. That is, that I may be encouraged together with you while among you, each of us by the other's faith, by yours and mine. I wonder what the spiritual gift that Paul wants to impart. Is it like prophecy or tongues or some other supernatural gift? Well, most scholars, even the charismatic scholars, indicate that Paul is not talking about imparting these supernatural gifts because that's the work of the Spirit. The idea is that Paul wants to show up in Rome, assess the situation, and then he wants to exercise some spiritual gift to strengthen them. It was not easy to be a Christian in the church in Rome and the church needed strengthening and Paul wants to show up and he wants to be encouraged by their faith and he wants to exercise some gift and he wants them to exercise gifts so that, it says, so that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. I love that. I want to be encouraged by your faith and I want you to be encouraged by my faith and, and we need that. I mean, when we gather as believers, we should leave encouraged. My my wife and I had a couple, believing couple over this past Thursday night, and we spent like two or three hours together and just encouraged in the Lord when it was over. The Christian life is really hard, and we need one another to encourage each other in community and the Lord because the context of our relationships are so crucial. Your relationships will enable you to persevere in your faith or they will hinder you. Pastor Larry Osborne has said, he said, I've never seen someone fall away because of bad theology. People fall away because of bad relationships. And there's some, there's some wisdom in that. We want to be in relationships with people that encourage us in our walk with the Lord. I have, some of my kids are, 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 are teenagers. And one of the things I want to encourage them is to be around people who encourage them. But it's not like that stops when you retire. You know, I've always wanted my boys, okay? I want my boys, I want you guys to walk in purity, walk in holiness. So you got to be around people that want to walk that same way. It's even as retired Guys and girls, you want to walk in purity and holiness, you've got to be around others that want to walk in purity and holiness, not around others that are going to tempt you or lead you astray. So the same wisdom and advice that applies to teenagers applies to all of us in here. We've got to put ourselves in encouraging environments where we can mutually give encouragement and receive encouragement because that's how we keep moving around the roadway system of worshiping the Lord, allowing others to come in and sending others out is mutual encouragement. And the fourth reason and the last reason has to do with the pervasive gospel, that Paul wants to devote the full attention to the pervasive gospel. Start with verse 13. I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that, I, that often I have planned to come to you and have been prevented so far, so that I may obtain some fruit among you also even as among the rest of the Gentiles. I am under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. So for my part, I'm eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. Did, did, did you catch that? Paul wants to preach the gospel to the church in Rome. I mean, what's up with that? Has, has the church in Rome not heard the gospel? Why would he want to go there and preach the gospel to the believers in Rome? It's because Paul understands the gospel. The the gospel is just not how you get in. The gospel is also how you carry on. We preach the gospel to ourselves, to each other within the church, because as we root ourselves in the gospel, that's how we grow in obedience to the faith. The gospel is just not for unbelievers, it's for believers. Think about this. Jesus has called us to be one, and he has made us one. How? In the gospel. Through his life, death, and resurrection, a dividing wall of hostility has been broken down, we're to reconcile. We've got to keep coming back to the gospel to find out how to get along. Think about condemnation. I don't know if any of you felt condemned this week felt like you were such a loser and God was against you, you keep coming back to the gospel. Who can be against you? Who can stand against you? No one. If God is for you, that is rooted in the gospel of acceptance of the cross and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You get this? You get this? Also think about this. Think about when the gospel is preached to us because we as believers already have God's favor. So we don't try to obey to gain God's favor to get into heaven. We obey because we already got it. You got that? So we're obeying out of grace. That's how we got to preach the gospel to one another, to remind each other we're obeying out of acceptance, not to get acceptance. And lastly, when we think about preaching the gospel to each other, We're facing the end of life. We're suffering. We wonder if we're going to go to heaven one day. How do we know that? We keep preaching the gospel to one another. We're saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ alone and his finished work alone, faith alone. You see that? We keep preaching the gospel to one another. But not only do we preach the gospel to ourselves, we preach it to one another, we also preach the gospel to unbelievers. Notice what Paul says, that he wants to preach the gospel You see it there? To reap some harvest. He wants to see people converted. And since Paul is an apostle to the Gentiles, he is obligated, you look at verse 14, to preach both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. Who are the Greeks? Well, the Greeks were the Gentiles who spoke the Greek language and embraced the Greek culture and who were probably considered the elite. Well, then who were the barbarians? Well, the barbarians were those who did not speak Greek and were considered not only uncultured but even foolish according to the world. This is what the world would consider to be rejects. And Paul is not making a judgment call here. He's saying, you know, I'm here to preach the gospel to the wise, to the foolish, to the Greek. or barbarian. I'm going to preach the gospel to everybody. I'm going to be about sharing the gospel. That's part of the roadway system. I'm going to share the gospel to anybody and everybody. I'm going to let people in by grace through faith. I'm going to preach the gospel. I want to see people saved. We want a church made up of what the culture would consider those who are elites, those who are barbarians, those who are wise, those who are foolish. The, the, the church should look like a mishmash of people that God has saved Yesterday, I was with my 11-year-old son, and we went to something called SpaCon yesterday. It's like Comic-Con. If you don't know what that is, you probably don't. I didn't see you there. But it's a place where people gather to, I guess, celebrate, be all about comic characters. Um, How can I explain this to you? Well... It's really hard. All right, let's just say mostly grown ups are there dressed up in costumes like Star Wars characters, Spider Man, Superman, Pokemon stuff, Stranger Things stuff. I'm, I'm getting off here, but they, I didn't know most of the characters. I'm asking my son, who is that? Who is that? Who is that? Because I didn't know these characters, and it's, it's, it's a crazy place to be. It's, it's, pretty, it's pretty interesting. But I'll tell you this. Most people in our culture makes fun of those people. They really do. They consider people that do that to be already outcasts. They consider them to be what they would call nerds or people that are really extreme. I mean, here they are as adults. Whatever language could be applied, they would consider them to be barbarians, rejects. And Paul's like, yeah. Preach the gospel to them and see them get saved. We want to preach the gospel to the elites who were up in the skyboxes at all the football games yesterday and today. We want to see them get saved. And we want to see those at Comic Con get saved. So our church is made up of people in suits and people dressed up as Spider Man. Paul's like, I want to see the gospel go out, I want people to get saved. And the way this happens is to keep the roadway moving. Keep praying for one another, encouraging one another, sharpening one another, and sharing the gospel and not making distinctions of who you preach to. Because God is in the business of saving people from all cultures and all classes. No matter what they're into, He's in the business of saving people. And we want to be a community that welcomes Him preaches the gospel, come as you are, don't stay as you are, we want to see people grow. And we want to be a community that encourages one another, that sharpens one another. That offers encouragement, offers prayers, and offers mutual sharpening. That's what we want to see happen in our church. And one of the ways that happens is as we move from a crowd to community, it often happens in small groups. Now, I'm sure many of you are aware that we actually, over the last year, have our own roundabout, and I'm sure all of you have already driven on it, right? Fountain Lake roundabout, right? Many thought, no way are a bunch of Arkansans going to get a roundabout and be able to figure that out. They thought it would be a disaster. and In the some sense, ooh, there's some interesting stories, but they had to learn how to use it. My daughter, Jordan, when she was in high school at Fountain Lake, she created a video with a drone over another roundabout in Arkansas that was teaching people, was an instructional video on how to use a roundabout with arrows and everything. It's like we need to learn how to use this. And once we learn how to use this, oh, we can do this. We can do this. Same with community. Community. Some of you have been in some pretty dysfunctional church communities. Some of you have been hurt by believers. And you think, there's no way I'm going to jump into community. I'll sit here, big group is fine, but there's no way I'm going to be in the smaller groups. We say, come on, give it a try. Give it a try. There are people in these groups that are just as dysfunctional as you. Amen? Amen? Amen. Yeah. We're there to encourage one another, to build one another up, to pray for one another, to keep this system moving, to continue to glorify God. So I just want to encourage you, if you're not in a group, go check out these groups we have in the lobby. Sign up for one and show up and see what happens. We want to be moving from crowd to community so that we can grow for the glory of God. Let's pray. Lord, it's interesting that you didn't just save us, but you saved us and placed us into a community, into a family. You didn't just save us and then isolate us. You, you put us into a place where there's brothers and sisters and we have to learn these things. What does it mean to love others and to receive love, to encourage others, to receive encouragement, to pray for others, let others pray for us? Some of us are so self-sufficient, that's hard. But Lord, I just ask that for those of us who are already in a community, help us to double down in love, to double down in sharing the gospel, to double down in keeping this roadway system moving. And for those of us who are isolated, Lord, help us to take the risks, to step out, to be vulnerable, to be in a place where it can be all about Jesus giving and receiving love. Lord, stir us up to be moving from a crowd to community, even on this day. Help those that just want to sneak out, not sneak out, but jump in. And may you can continue to grow us and mature us and teach us for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: We hope you enjoyed this message. It was preached recently at Village Bible Church. You can hear this message or let others know about it by visiting our website at VBCHSV.org or call us at 922 0404. By God's Meanwhile. While. have a blessed day as you walk along the way.